Good job, Amy. Mike, can I steal your uh, old guy here? Thanks. Appreciate it. So if you are elementary school aged or younger, uh, you're probably going to find me incredibly boring. Did this already happen and I missed it? I don't see any kids. I was supposed to dismiss the kids, but maybe, maybe they're already gone. Dang it, I already messed up. All right, well, this is starting awesome. My name's Burke, uh, so I'm related to like half of you guys, uh, but <laughs> I live in Norman with, with my wife, Kristen. Uh, we've got a little girl named Lily and a second one on the way, trying really hard to convince my wife to, to let, us, let me name her Clive Staples, uh, but it's not going well. Um, and uh, I, I was around the vine in the very beginning, but I only get to come back every once in a while, uh, about, about once a year, and, and see you guys. So it's, it's an honor to be here and, and be with you guys. Uh, today we're going to look at one of my, my favorite passages, uh, but before that, let's, uh, let's just spend some time in prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, today and this group of people and the, the privilege to be here together. Uh, God ask that you would be here among us, that Holy Spirit, you would teach us yourself, that you would speak through me, uh, that I'd get out of the way. Uh, God, I I realize that by myself, I can change no one, but we are holy and completely reliant upon you. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go to, I don't know, it won't be up there. Uh, We're going to go to Matthew chapter 25. So if you've got a a Bible nearby, which kind of looks like Everyone does. Go ahead and snag one. We're going to look at a, a, it's a parable, but it's, it's not really a parable. Jesus is actually looking forward, and he's telling us about something that's going to happen in the future. This is near the end of his life. Uh, he's he's going to be crucified, I think maybe like the next day. So we're going to start in... Matthew 25, verse 31. It goes like this. This is Jesus speaking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will They also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? 
Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go, go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now I regret telling you that this is one of my favorite passages because you'll, you'll probably think I'm dark and weird and crazy, but uh, that's all right. Kind of am. Um, so when I, at the church that I grew up at, at, there was this courtyard, and in the courtyard they had these little bronze statues kind of, I mean, they were, they were probably about that big, and they had them around the edge of the courtyard on these pedestals. And I remember one, it, it had a, it was a little bronze statue of like a teenage girl with this thick, long flowing hair, and she, she was like sitting in this meadow cuddling with all these lambs. Uh, but, but the statue was weird because she had a beard. And, and, <laughs> and underneath it said, the shepherd and his lambs, right? And it was this... Uh, <laughs> It, was, it wasn't a little girl. It was Jesus, right? The, the Jesus that we encounter in this passage is not that Jesus. He's, he's not the, the cuddly, flowing robe, long golden hair Jesus. Uh, the Jesus in this passage is actually the exact same Jesus from Revelation 19. The, the one who comes at the end of all things... Uh, and, he, and he comes down with an entire army of angels wearing white behind them. They're here too, right? He comes with all of his angels. And they're, they're dressed for battle. And Jesus is the only one not wearing white because his robe has been dipped in blood. And it, we don't, don't know if it's his blood or somebody else's blood or, or, or what, but he's dipped in, it's dipped in blood. And he's got tattoos down his thighs. And one of them says, King of kings, and one of them says, Lord of lords. And this is the Jesus that will come back at the end of all things and rain judgment down on evil. That he will win the final battle against everything. And then after all of that is done, what, what we learn here is he's going to gather everyone who has ever lived. It doesn't matter if they've lived and died a long time ago. Doesn't matter. It's you and me. It's the people who are yet to be born. Everybody who has ever lived will be gathered before the warrior king Jesus, and they will be judged. And he's going to separate everybody out, right? Sheep on his right, goats on his left. And the sheep, he says this to them, Come, my, my beloved sheep, and enter in the inheritance which was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Which is this really incredible offer, right? They, they get to join in the, this, with this warrior king, with, with ruling and governing this kingdom that has been prepared for them from, from the beginning of time. But then to this group on the left, he says, depart from me. Right, and he gives, he gives really similar reasons for both of them. He says, you know, you, you guys over here on, on the right, you, gave, you, know, you fed me when I was hungry, and you, you, you gave me water when I was thirsty. You visited me when I was sick and in prison. And as you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And he says to the ones on the left, almost the, the converse, the exact opposite. You didn't do any of these, those things for me. And as you... Or, or for anybody. And, and as, as you did not do it for the least of these, you did not do it for me. And so there's this really clear 
an important lesson to be drawn out here. And that's that serving the poor, the sick, the oppressed, that is the same thing as serving Jesus. And, and, then, and then he sums the whole thing up with this. All of these will go away into eternal punishment, and all of these, all, the righteous, into eternal life. And so it would be really easy at this point to draw like this linear progression from, okay, these people like served the poor, the sick, and the oppressed. And then what happened was uh, Jesus said, like, hey, that's the same thing as serving me. And then all the people who, who did that get to go to heaven. And then conversely, these people didn't serve the poor, so they didn't serve Jesus, and now, and now they get eternal punishment. And, and it would be, be real easy to draw this connection like, okay, salvation must come from doing these things, from serving the poor. But, but there's a problem with that, and it, it's got a name, and it's, it's the gospel, right? So that, that idea that, that I have relationship with God or my, my eternal standing with God is somehow based on the things that I've done is, is really antithetical to everything that the rest of the Bible teaches. The clear teaching of the Bible is that even though I deserve nothing from God, even though Everyone who has ever lived falls terribly short of eternal of of the the holy, perfect, righteous standard of God. He loves us anyway, and he loves us so much that that two thousand years ago, God God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, put on flesh, became a man, and he paid for the sins that I that I have earned, that I have stored up, that everyone in this world has stored up with his death so that you and I don't have to. And instead of me having to take on that punishment because of the righteous life that Jesus Christ lived throughout his entire life, uh, he has taken that perfect record and he's given it to me so that I'm, I actually am worthy of this eternal kingdom prepared for the, from the foundation of the world. But so that's that's what the rest of the Bible teaches, but it doesn't necessarily help us get to like but Jesus seems to, to be saying here, like, if you do these things, you go to heaven. So how do we how do we reconcile these ideas, the gospel and this passage that Jesus is teaching here about, about sheep and goats? I think the main difference in the the sheep and the goats is not really how they act, even though those things are different. But I think the most significant difference that we can see in this passage is their attitude about what Jesus tells them about themselves. So, so if we go back, when the right, in verse 37, Jesus has just been telling the, the sheep, like, you did all of these things. And the righteous look at Jesus and say, when did we do that? Conversely, the goats hear about all the things that they, they didn't do, and they look at Jesus and say, when did we not? You have a, a group over here that, that hears about how good they are or how worthy they are, and they're surprised. They don't think that they're that good or that worthy. Yet over here you have a group that hears about how unworthy they are or how bad they were. 
and they don't believe it. They're surprised. And so the, the, main, the main difference in the sheep and the goats, I think, is their attitude about themselves and their own righteousness. A group who does not believe that they, they are worthy of the eternal kingdom that's been prepared for them from the foundation of the world and a group who can't imagine why they wouldn't be. And I, I think this is an appropriate time for us to like ask ourselves, who are you? Are you a sheep or a goat? And I don't, I don't mean like, do you, do you consider yourself a Christian or not? I, I, I mean, would you be more surprised to hear you're, you are good enough, you are loved? Or would you be more surprised to hear that you're not? Everyone is going to experience eternity one of two ways. That, there's been a lot of theological gymnastics done over the last decade or so to try and erase the doctrine of hell. Uh, to, to push it out of, of modern thought. But Jesus is pretty plain here. These will go away to eternal punishment. Or I guess these. These guys will go away to eternal punishment, but they're righteous to eternal life. If you want to take Jesus seriously, you have to take the doctrine of hell seriously. And if you believe in an afterlife, I think, I think that you, you need to believe in hell. Because if, if there's no hell, that means everybody goes to the same spot. And that means, that means the next life is just like this one. Except there's no hope for something better afterwards. So it's even worse. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to scare anyone. I, I, don't, I don't mean for this to be turn and burn. <laughs> Or, or turn or burn or, or anything like that. But re- reality is our friend. And there is an eternal reality. And, and so it's got to be very friendly then, right? To, to sit and ponder these things. I think another thing we learned from this passage is that not everyone who expects to go to heaven will. Right? We don't hear these people agreeing with Jesus. Uh, That there are going to be a lot of people surprised about what's coming on that day. The goats are surprised because they think that they're good people. But the, the, the problem with thinking that you're a good person is that like, that's, that's the definition of self-righteous, right? I believe that I'm righteous. I believe that I'm, I'm good, a good person because of myself and what I've done. And there is no group of people more self-righteous than this, this group that's collected together and calls themselves Christians. (laughs) 
That doesn't happen to me, Norman. I like it. Uh, <laughs> everyone has a little bit of goat in them. I've got a lot of goat in me. What, what's true about me is that there's this, this tendency in my heart, and I think every human heart, to to want to just shove down that truth that, that I am sinful, that, that there, is, there is badness in me. Like, I, my heart wants desperately to believe that, that I get what I deserve and what I deserve is good. And, and so the Christian life lived well is this constant battle against that tendency in my heart that tendency to want to believe that, that I'm good enough on my own, that I'm a good person. And, and, and so just what, what happens is that I, I'm continual, continually discovering over and over and over again for the rest of my life that I am not as good as I thought I was. That, that this, this pit of sin in my heart goes deeper and deeper and deeper than I, than I ever imagined. And that sounds like a really depressing life at first, I think. Okay, life is just going to be me figuring out over and over and over that I'm worse and worse and worse than I thought I was. But what comes with a deeper understanding of my own inadequacies and my own failures is also a deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge of just how loved I am by God. Because if I'm really that bad, then the love of God must be even deeper than I had imagined. And I can know that I am loved because Jesus has proven his love for me on the cross. The natural response to this message, to, to living this out, to understanding that I'm I'm far worse than I could have possibly imagined, but far more loved than I ever even dared hope, is that I want to respond to God in thankfulness. And the wonderful thing about this passage is Jesus, Jesus tells us how we respond to him in faithfulness. That as we do it to the least of these, so we've done it for him. And so that if, if I want to show God with my life how how grateful I am for what he's done for me, that I, that I understand the enormity of what I've been given, then, then it's really simple what I do. I serve the poor. I feed the hungry. I clothe the naked. I, I visit the sick and the imprisoned. There, th- this passage is definitely about physically serving the poor. But this passage is also definitely about eternity. And so I think it only makes sense to talk about the eternally poor. The goats. And and the the reality coming of, of eternal separation from God and punishment. So, Amy alluded to this earlier, but um, 
you, you, may, have, you may have heard that on, on Wednesday, Vladimir Putin signed into law a bill that essentially, it essentially makes evangelism or sharing your faith with a friend illegal in the entire country of Russia. You can't, like I, I couldn't walk up to, to even a, a close friend of mine in Russia starting July 20th, like 10 days from now. Can't, can't walk up to a friend and, and share what I just shared with you with them one-on-one. It'll be illegal. And Moscow, it's a really similar spiritual environment to the, the environment that Amy was describing about Sweden. I, I want to share that. I wanted to share that with you for, for a couple of reasons. The, the first is that you're just not hearing about that. Um, and I think it reveals something about what our, our Christian culture values. Right? If the, if the media thought that we would care about that, they would tell us. And so that, that probably should just reflect back to us that, that we're just not in a very very evangelistic culture, that, that we don't often share this with people, that we interact with goats and, and our, these, these people headed for destruction in our, our jobs, our neighborhoods, schools, roommates, all the time. And, and over and over and over, we pass up these opportunities to tell them about what's coming and to tell them about the God who loves them and, and, and offers, offers a deep, satisfying relationship with them. The, the second reason I wanted to bring it up is that, man, we, we had about three weeks' notice that this might be coming down, those of us who, who do ministry in Moscow. Uh, and, and over, so in about the span of a month, a significant window of opportunity to share with the Russian people was closed like that. And it's, it's probably a few decades off before this happens in the United States. But there are other windows around you that, that close without warning, just like that, and they, you don't get them back. I think, I think the reason we don't is, is because everybody's had a negative experience with evangelism. Everybody's had a negative experience with this where it, somebody sharing their faith went, like, went something like, man, you're bad. You should be more like me. And then, and then we could go and, and be, be Christian together. The, the problem, so the obvious problem there is, is that's, that's a goat attitude, right? That's like a, a I'm where I am because of what I've done sort of mentality. You should be more like me. But, but to share the gospel like, like sheep is to share the gospel like a, a fellow beggar who knows where to find food. The, the one who says, man, I'm just like you, except I have hope and I found it in this man, this God. Would you, would you come and meet him with me? You can give someone eternal riches. You can give them 
the bread of life, the living water that leads to eternal life. Far better than any bread or water mentioned in this passage. And it doesn't cost you anything to do it. If you, if you want to respond in thankfulness to what Jesus has done for you, just remember what he said. As you've done it for the least of these, so you did it for me. Let me, let me pray for you guys and we'll, we'll be finished. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for this church and this group of people and the blessing that they are in my life and the way that they love you. God, I, I pray that uh, as they go out this week that they would experience a deeper understanding of their own sin and, and a deeper thankfulness for what you've done in their life. God, I, I pray that yeah, I pray that you would put on their hearts specific people that you would call to yourself if only they would step out in faith and share this glorious news with them. God, I pray that